you're listening to an episode of Voices of 100%, a new multi-part series from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance's Local Energy Rules podcast, where we're speaking with local leaders from across the country to understand their reasons for pursuing a 100% renewable energy goal, how their city plans to achieve that goal, and what these visionaries see as the future of local renewable energy. Over 70 cities have made commitments to reach 100% renewable energy, but only a few have made substantial progress toward deadlines often set in the 2030s or beyond. San Diego is one of the largest U.S. cities to make the pledge in a state with a unique policy tool allowing cities to choose their electricity supply. Cody Hooven is the Chief Sustainability Officer for the City of San Diego. She recently spoke with me about the city's 100% pledge and its plans to fulfill it. I'm John Farrell, Director of the Energy Democracy Initiative at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and this is Local Energy Rules, a podcast sharing powerful stories about local renewable energy. Cody, welcome to the program. Thanks, John. So I wanted to start off with just trying to understand a little bit about where San Diego is coming from and ask you, you know, what's the main motivation behind San Diego's commitment to get to 100% renewable energy by 2035? We have, there's a couple of different reasons why we're headed towards 100% renewable. Um, So one is um, we want to be very ambitious on reducing our greenhouse gas emissions and climate action in general. Um, And we looked at all the tools in the toolbox and the sources of emissions for us. Um, And this came up as obviously increasing renewable energy in general came up as a a, a large tool, a large and useful tool in the toolbox to reduce our emissions. And we thought, you know, why not, why not go big on that goal? And instead of having, you know, an 80 or 90% goal, just go all the way to hundred. And we, we did some research and talked to different folks in the energy sector and, um, and everybody said, you know, it's definitely possible. You, you're going to need a little time, um, but, but it's possible. So, that's one reason is to really reduce our carbon footprint and, and achieve some of our climate action goals. Uh, another reason is um, we had a lot of business support. We, you know, in order to move these ambitious goals forward, we did a lot of work um, with both the environmental community, but also the business community in San Diego and said, what's something of interest to you? What are, what are goals that you, know, you can be happy with and get behind? And um, this is not often the case in other cities, but we heard a lot from our business community to, they wanted us to go big on this and, and be ambitious. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's always nice to have the support of the business community when you want to move a, an initiative forward like this. No doubt. Um, you know, there are now 70 other cities with a similar commitment, um, but often it's no more than a pledge so far. And as you mentioned, you're giving yourself some time. How can a city like San Diego change its energy mix? And, you know, is there any kind of plan that you have with some mile markers for getting to that goal in 2035? Yeah. Uh, another thing we did, this, this is a great question, is we, we didn't want to have a, a plan that sat on the shelf and we, we didn't really know how to get there. So as soon as we adopted that goal um, back in December of 2015, we started working immediately on what's our pathway there? What does that look like? We gave ourselves a nice runway, right, through 2035, um, consistent with a lot of other climate targets in the state. Um, and part of that is you need a little bit of runway to figure out how to get there. Some of the renewable energy costs are still coming down or the cost of storage you want to give yourself some room to to let that happen and let the market transformation continue to happen um but we've committed to bringing a, at least a pathway forward um in the near term and we're looking at doing that by the end of this year so california we have a couple different options available to us 
One is we've been working with our local utility to see how they want to be a partner in this and help us get to 100% renewable. And we've been talking with them and figuring out what that could look like. We're also exploring another pathway um, that's allowable in the state of California called Community Choice. Um, it's it's a, a legislation that was passed that allows local governments to purchase power, electricity on behalf of residents and businesses and then partner with the utility to deliver it. And that allows us to, to be in control and in charge of the type of power, which means we could then determine we want to get to 100% by 2035 and actually make that happen. You know, you mentioned partnering with the utility. Have they come back to you and said, hey, you know, this is something we think we can do? Or is that part of this uh, uh, kind of pathway process through the end of the year where that may be what you end up finding out? Um, you know, what what have you heard from them? And and as well, you know, who or or, or what is the main opposition to, if, if any, to getting to this goal? Yeah, we have heard from, so for your first question, we have heard from the utility um, and they submitted a proposal to us for how to get there. Um, it's it's a proposal to talk through the details. There would be a lot of details to figure out um, if we worked with the utility on this. And so that's what we've been working on. And, and we intend to wrap that up and present that to our mayor and city council by the end of this year. Here's all the, the questions we're asking. Here's the responses we're getting from them. Um, here's what it looks like for the other pathway available to us. And, and um, so those are some of the, the questions that you're asking are some of the questions we're sorting through now. We don't have all the details yet. Um, and then for your second question about main opposition, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really, I would say more that this is such a big change for people. It's a, it's a new way of doing things. It's um, kind of the sector is changing that, you know, technology is changing. Um, I think it's more of, of some folks struggling to keep up with those changes and new ideas coming along so quickly. So maybe it's not directly opposition, but it's a little resistance to change. Maybe this is what folks mean when they talk about climate change adaptation. <laughs> maybe adapting to general change. That's a right. good point. Um, no, it's that's fascinating. I mean, we just actually released a report last week talking about uh, the really remarkable change in economics for distributed solar and energy storage and uh, the implications that's having for the design of electricity systems and the choices that we'll, ha you know, we'll have as individuals and, and as communities. Um, so it's no surprise that folks are having trouble wrapping their heads around it because I think, you know, even as someone who's in this industry and has spent a lot of time looking at it, we were surprised with what we were seeing in terms of how economical things like energy storage are getting. Uh, as a right. possible resource mix. These are such wonky topics, and we're now asking policymakers and elected officials to dig in and understand a market that's changing so quickly. It's hard for those of us trying to keep up with it to to understand everything. So it's it's complex. It's a fun. It's a really fun issue to be working on, though. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you know, speaking of the the those kinds of local resources and those things that are changing. You know, I remember reading uh, like a, a sustainability plan or, or something. It was at least five years ago for San Diego, or maybe it was San Diego County, and it looked at the, in particular the local energy resource, solar. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, what role is solar going to play in meeting this goal for San Diego, uh, given that you have such an abundant solar resource? We do. We have, I think, I think currently we're number two um, for solar installations per capita, and I believe we're following Honolulu, which is. It's not a bad city to be uh, a number two um, for. And um, 
so we solar is going to play a big role for us. We have the perfect weather and setting for it. Um, it's abundant here um, and can only expand. And we have a lot of companies that are growing that space and providing job growth as well. Um, we, we're going to need more than solar, though, as you know, um, it's going to take a variety of forms, um, including sources for base power that we need to look into. Um, but we do intend to, and either pathway, we intend to continue supporting kind of the growth and expansion of solar and our goals. Yeah, that's actually an interesting question that comes to mind uh, as a follow-up to that is, are, are, um, is this notion of ownership or um, kind of who is building the generation part of the conversation? I'm just thinking about, you know, some of the survey stuff that I had seen about San Diego was looking at, for example, how many rooftops are suitable for solar uh, mm-hmm. versus, you know, utilities can build these really large arrays that use, you know, the same kind of panels, but they can be as big as a traditional power plant. Um, is there any thinking uh, from the city about, is, you know, is there a preference? Uh, is there an, a desire to have kind of all of these things? How does the city thinking about this notion of ownership and, and then kind of the attendant economic benefits about where those dollars flow then, depending on where that energy is coming from? We have been thinking a lot about this. So even though we're still at the kind of high level policy making of how, what's our pathway to 100%, we're starting to dig into some of the details of where do we want that power to come from. We have um, some criteria set that we really want to look um, to local benefits as much as possible, which means we don't want to, we don't want renewable energy credits. You know, we don't want to just offset our, our fossil fuel power with um, green power in another state. That's, that's not of interest to us here. Um, and we want to see as much build out locally as we can to provide the economic benefits and jobs. But we also want to do this in a way that's not going to increase costs to ratepayers in San Diego. So that means we, as we get into the weeds of it, we'll have to balance local generation, um, which tends to be a little bit more expensive because it's a lot more labor intensive with bigger utility scale build outs that are gonna be more cost effective. And that will kind of create a balanced portfolio that's hopefully still pretty cost effective for ratepayers. I wouldn't expect that this would be the case, but as somebody who spends his life in sort of the wonky weeds, has some of the conversation at all with the utility uh, revolved around this notion of value? I mean, one of the things that I have worked a lot on is sort of pushing back against this myth that utility scale solar and rooftop solar can be compared on price because there's such a different way in which they provide value. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, one being on site and not needing transmission, the other one, re- you know, relying on that bigger uh, transmission pipe. Is that part of that conversation out of curiosity? And uh, again, I, I know it's kind of into the weeds. It is. And, you know, those of us who are somewhat in the weeds, we do talk about those things, but we haven't, we're still chipping away at the bigger issues. So we haven't sorted out those things. But, but if, if we walk into the room with a bunch of folks working on solar or installations or financing, um, those questions do come up and we do discuss them and consider them. It's just too soon for us to set any real criteria for how to address that yet. I think we're still at the broad level of how do we, can we make a portfolio mix um, that is cost-effective and renewable, and if, if if that's a yes, then that's one milestone that we move forward on, and then we start to dig into the weeds of, of setting that up and and that really getting into the details of what what that mix looks like and where power will come from. What advice would you give to folks, either you know grassroots activists or elected officials or sustainability staff in other cities who are considering? joining you and making a goal of getting to 100% renewable energy? 
something that's worked really well for San Diego is, is we, we talked to all of our advocates and activists and really tried to bring them to the table and say, what, what, what's something in here that's good for you? Or what do you want to see in this plan that will work for you? Knowing that our intention is to get to 100%. Um, and, and that's been really helpful because folks have bought into the goal collectively and across the board, right? From the business sector to the environmental sector to the, the advocates around um, environmental justice even are all seeing things in workforce development. They're all finding things that can they can get behind and support. Um, so really a lot of engagement and relationship building ahead of time um, and letting them know that, you know, there's a lot of things in this for, for everybody. So if they find what works for them, a city can really make a lot of those things happen, but it kind of has to be unique to your economy and your particular um, a group of activists and communities and, and what they want. You're listening to an interview with Cody Hooven from San Diego, California, as part of our Voices of 100% series from Local Energy Rules. Do you know of any folks we should interview about 100% renewable energy commitments in their community? If so, send us an email at voicesof100 at ilsr.org. That's voicesof100 at ilsr.org. Stay tuned for the rest of this episode after a short message from our Energy Democracy Initiative Director, John Farrell. Hey, thanks for listening to Local Energy Rules. If you've made it this far, you're obviously a fan, and we could use your help for just two minutes. As you've probably noticed, we don't have any corporate sponsors or ads for any of our podcasts. The reason is that our mission at ILSR is to reinvigorate democracy by decentralizing economic power. Instead, we rely on you, our listeners. Your donations not only underwrite this podcast, but also help us produce all of the research and resources that we make available on our website and all of the technical assistance we provide to grassroots organizations. Every year, ILSR's small staff helps hundreds of communities challenge monopoly power directly and rebuild their local economies. So please take a minute and go to ILSR.org and click on the Donate button. And if making a donation isn't something you can do, please consider helping us in other ways. You can help other folks find this podcast by telling them about it or by giving it a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The more ratings from listeners like you, the more folks can find this podcast and ILSR's other podcasts, Community Broadband Bits, and Building Local Power. Thanks again for listening. Now, back to the program. One thing that's interesting about California, of course, is that it's got such an active political conversation about energy. There's always stuff happening at the Energy Commission or the Public Utilities Commission or at the legislature. I know that this community choice program that you mentioned earlier, where communities can make these energy supply decisions, is relatively unique. There are only seven states where um, it can, where communities have that kind of decision. I also know that there's an awful lot of communities in California that are looking into it. And I'm curious if there is um, any kind of political wins that might push back against you being able to have that option on the table when you present back to city council and the mayor uh, later this year. Yeah, there's no um, opposition to the, the, that structure itself of community choice. And in your right, we do see it growing pretty quickly in California. I think um, some territories of the uh, Pacific Gas and Electric up in the Bay Area of California, and I think they're predicting 70 or 80% of their load will be um, served by community choice programs in the next five or 10 years. It's pretty pretty tremendous and fast shift um, 
so I don't see any opposition coming from that structure itself. I think there's just a lot of concerns about, you know, some folks say these are tried and true programs and they're working excellent. Um, and others are going to say, oh, they're still too new for us. We're not sure if this is a good decision to make yet or for government to get into the role of, of selling energy. Um, and I think it's going to be some of those ideological arguments more so than any technical issues. Um, something we were kind of joking about internally is when we, we started to work on this plan and, and get a, a climate action plan that had 100% goal in it, um, initially the conversation was, you can't do 100%, that's not possible. Um, and just in a few short years, the conversation has shifted to debate over how to get there, but not that it's possible or not. So that, that's been kind of a fun uh, thing to watch. Are there any other tools that you wish the city had at its disposal for uh, trying to meet this goal? Other, you know, structural ways that the electricity market works or other technologies that you really wish were more advanced um, that would make it easier for the city to move down this path? Oh, gosh, there's so many technologies that are coming out, I feel like, (laughs) on a weekly basis in in the energy sector. And I, I think we have more than enough tools we need. It's it's really the capacity to take advantage of all of them and, and implement them. And governments in general, local governments are really risk averse sometimes. So if you want to test out some of these new technologies for energy efficiency or renewables, um, you really have to be comfortable <laughs> um, taking a little risk. And I think those are the types of tools that, that we're always looking for more of. Are we willing to take some risks? Can we, can we, be step out a little and be a little bold on trying new things. Um, and man, reading all these public utilities commission documents, <laughs> sometimes I feel like that takes a PhD just to, to navigate that system. Um, so For it's sure. those types of resources that we need. <laughs> the technology, there's, there's plenty of that. We, we can, we can get to hundred percent tomorrow if we had all the money we needed. Is there anything else that you think folks should know who are interested in these city campaigns toward hundred percent things that maybe they haven't thought of? You know, I heard somewhere that most people think about their energy bill a total of eight minutes a year, something like that. Um, so it's it's something, it's such a big initiative that if your city is looking into it or working on it, it's so exciting. It's such a big deal. And, and it's really hard to talk to the average person about it because they don't think about energy. Um, so if, if people hear about it in their city, I would encourage them to, to understand a little bit more because they're it's it's exciting it often can be fairly political um and it's an interesting issue um, that really could provide some huge benefit to your city well i don't think i could say it any better than that uh cody thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me i really appreciate it yeah thank you this is john farrell director of ilsr's energy democracy initiative i was speaking with cody hooven chief sustainability officer for the city of san diego about the city's 100% renewable energy pledge and its path forward. For more information on which cities have made the 100% pledge and which states offer community choice energy and how it's done, check out ILSR's interactive community power map, which is available at ILSR.org. While you're at our website, you can also find more than 50 past episodes of the Local Energy Rules podcast. Until next time, keep your energy local, and thanks for listening. This has been the third episode of our special series, Voices of 100% from Local Energy Rules. Tune back into the program in three weeks for our next episode in this series, 
where we'll be featuring Atlanta, Georgia, and hearing how they plan to make good on their commitment to go all in on renewable energy.